Hey, what's up, everybody? It's your favorite quarterback hater, Robert Mathis, and you're listening to the For the Culture Podcast. This is the For the Culture Podcast. I'm your host, Luke Diamond, with my man, Jason Spears. It is week two. The Colts are hosting the Los Angeles Rams, another NFC West team. So back-to-back weeks, Seahawks, Rams, another really good team, probably coming from the best division of football. The NFC West went 4-0 last week. We were obviously on the losing end of one of those four games. So were the Titans losing to the Cardinals, who we'll see on Christmas Day. The Colts currently have 10 guys that are either out or questionable for Sunday's game, not including guys on the injured reserve like T.Y. Hilton. So to go down the line real quick, Quentin Nelson questionable, Rose out, Smith out, Fisher questionable, Pay questionable, Willis questionable, Blackman questionable, Campbell questionable, Pittman questionable. Jason, do you want to go through real quick the Rams injury report for Sunday? Yeah, it's very lengthy. It contains no names. For the second straight week, Luke, we were playing a team that has zero guys on the injury report, and that is insane. I don't know if I've seen that. So the Rams are coming in full force 100% with no injuries. And these are good teams to begin with. Seattle was in the playoffs last year. The Rams in the playoffs last year. Good team. They get Matthew Stafford two top five, top ten players in the league defensively in Donald, who's probably the best defensive player in the league, is the best defensive player in the league and reigning defensive player of the year, and then probably the best corner in the league, Jalen Ramsey. So this is a loaded team. They're stacked. They're talented. They're well coached. They're a really good football team. They were on primetime last week, so I'm pretty sure we all watched their game, at least most of us watched their game against the Chicago Bears. I think Stafford's a perfect fit in that offense with McVay. So it's going to be a tough task. It's going to be an uphill battle for this Colts team. It kind of makes me think back to, to put a positive spin on it, the chiefs game, because I'll be honest with you guys, before we even get to the keys to the game and get to our predictions, I think this is going to be a damn near impossible game for the Colts to win. I know we're at home, but it makes me think back to give it a positive spin to that Chiefs game in 2019. Jacoby at quarterback, no Darius Leonard. We were beat up going into that game, and we just did everything right. Everything needed to break our way to have a chance to win that game, and I think we're going to see a similar path to victory. If we're going to win this game or compete in this game after what happened last week in Week 1, this is a lot different than last year. Last year in Week 2, we got the Vikings, and then I think in Week 3, we got the Jets. So right after week one, our schedule really softened up. Well, I mean, last year we played the Jaguars week one. So our schedule was soft to begin with. But we obviously didn't handle business last year in week one. And then the schedule remained soft to start the year. Not the case this year. Three straight playoff teams to start the year. We have back-to-back NFC West teams. And then we have the Titans next week. So it doesn't get any easier. We need to eventually get healthy. And that injury report is no joke. You already have your right tackle out this week. If you want to include T.Y., your number one receiver has missed the first two weeks. If you don't think T.Y. is your number one receiver, then who is it? Is it Paris? Is it Pascal? Is it Pittman? Well, two of those three guys are also questionable going into this game. Fisher's questionable. Your number one left tackle missed last week. So is he going to play? He's another question mark going into this game. You're going up against the stacked defensive line. You're going up against... Aaron Donald, you're down one tackle. You might be down two tackles. And if Fisher does play, it's his first time playing since January. That's a long time without playing full contact. 
So you have to imagine if he plays, he'll be better than Julian Davenport, but he's probably going to be rusty. He's probably going to be a step behind. So there's a lot to be worried about going into week two. And I know you want to go into this game, rah, rah, you know, let's get revenge. Let's get this back. Let's bounce back from that Seattle loss. But to me, this is a much more difficult matchup than last week's matchup. And on top of it, we're more beat up than we were last week. Yeah, I don't feel great about this game just on, on, on the surface. You did mention, you know, that the Chiefs is a great example of, of a game where I thought we had no shot. Eberflus coached probably his best game since he's been here as defensive coordinator. We did an outstanding job. People always say, well, they were injured, blah, blah, blah. Well, so were we. And we had Jacoby Brissett playing quarterback. They had Patrick Mahomes. So, yeah, I mean, listen, going into the game, uh, this game specifically, I don't feel great about it. I think they've got an advantage in every, pretty much every uh, level, coaching all the way down through the roster with our injuries. But that's why they play. You know, that's why we go out and play the game. So, you know, I don't feel great about it. But, you know, who knows? We've seen crazy things happen. So, you know, they're just going to have to come out and try to play their game and do the best they can and hopefully find a way to win. Yeah. And I don't want this to be like we're making excuses because we have so many injuries. The Rams are a really good team to the point where I wouldn't feel great about our chances of winning if we were fully healthy and they were fully healthy. But the way we played last week on top of the injuries, on top of a really, really good Rams team being at full strength, they're a preseason pick to go to the Super Bowl for a lot of people out there because of the upgrade at quarterback bringing in Stafford and trading Goff to Detroit. So... Let's get into the game preview, Jason. We'll start off with the Rams defense, a talented unit. They have one of the best cornerbacks in the National Football League in Jalen Ramsey. He could shut down one side of the field. And they have arguably the best player, and it's kind of hard to argue against it at this point, in the National Football League in defensive tackle Aaron Donald. He will have a field day this week moving around. I don't think we're going to see the Nelson-Donald matchup as much as we anticipated and everybody circled on their calendars when the schedule came out in April because of our tackle situation. If you're the Rams, why wouldn't you move them around, try to get them lined up with Pryor or Davenport or whoever is starting at the tackle spots in this game for the Colts? So I think we're going to see them on the other side a lot against Glowinski, against Pryor, just moving around this defensive line for the Rams, but that's who leads this very talented Rams defense. It's Aaron Donald, the reigning defensive player of the year. Yeah. And the thing with the Rams is they're so good offensively that they get, ahead, they get ahead of you. And then that, that that's a recipe for disaster because then Aaron Donald is just going to, you know, pin his ears back and get after the quarterback. Uh, there's no question. You got to know where he is at all times. We said this last week, obviously about Adams, like you mentioned, and Bobby Wagner, but it's even more important with this guy because he will absolutely single-handedly wreck the game. And Frank Reich has got to get out of his little pattern of stubbornness of not giving help. He's got to help whoever. If he's lined up on Davenport, you got to give him help. If he's lined up on Pryor, you got to give him help. And if he's lined up over Glowinski, the center's got to help. So they have to make sure they take care of him because if they don't, he will take care of the Colts. He will wreck the game. He's the best player in the league defensively. There's nobody better. You can say what you want, but there's nobody better than this guy. He's extremely talented. He can do it all. So, I mean, that's the biggest thing. And they've got guys at every level, too. I mean, Leonard Floyd, outside linebacker, can make plays. They brought him over from, from the Bears. And then you got Jalen Ramsey, top three corner in the league. You've got to just be on it. You have got to be on it this week. 
or they will this team will blow us out there won't be any screwing around they will blow us out if we do not come prepared and come prepared and what i mean by that is prepared for everything because they're not just going to lie it's it's not, everybody's like oh nelson versus donald nobody on that rams defensive staff is just going to line him up on on nelson the entire game what sense does that make when you've got weak links all over the Colts line. They're going to move him around. It's going to be the Colts are going to have to literally point out, forget the mic, they're going to have to point out where 99 is on every play because he's that good. And if you don't do it, it's going to be a long day for, for the Indianapolis Colts. So, um, you know, I mentioned Ramsey's great, all that stuff, but it, it begins for me and ends with Aaron Donald. If you don't get that issue taken care of, and he's going to make plays, but I'm talking about wrecking the entire game. He's going to make plays. He's probably going to get some sacks, pressures, all that. That's what great players do. But you have to minimize that by helping. And Reich did not do that in week one. If he doesn't do, if he doesn't do it this week, Luke, it's going to be a bloodbath. No question. Aaron Donald is a three-time defensive player of the year. He's close to the Mount Rushmore of all-time defensive players in this league. And he's in his prime. He's playing the best football of his life, winning his third defensive player of the year award last year. So you have to know where he is at all times. And like you were just touching on, they're not going to just line him up over Nelson and say, let's let your best player cancel out or minimize our best player. That would be stupid. That would be Pagano-level defensive coaching. You're going to move him around. You're going to get mismatches. Not that he can't win matchups with Nelson. I'm sure he would definitely win matchups. I think Nelson would also give him more trouble than any guard has given him in his career because you're talking about two of the guys that are the best at their positions. But you're going to move them around. You're going to find the mismatches. You're going to find the soft spots in the Colts offensive line. And he's going to wreak havoc. I think that's the plan if you're the Rams. And I think that's a plan we'll see implemented this week. As far as our keys to the game offensively, key number one, run the ball. Take pressure off Wentz. Take pressure off their pass rush. Keep the defense honest. Run the football, establish the run. We didn't do a great job last week running the football. Hopefully we could get back to our ways because that's our bread and butter. That's our strength. And you don't want to get into a position where you're running through, you know, these possessions are going quick. You're punting it back to them and the offense is getting off the field. So you want to be able to maintain a little bit of clock, keep their high-powered offense off the field, control the game a little bit, and be able to run the football. No question. I watched their defense last week against the Bears, and the one place where they really kind of struggled was run defense. And David David Montgomery for the Bears had, I think, 16 carries, 106 yards. That's six yards a carry, over six yards a carry. So I I really think that the Chiefs recipe that you mentioned is is apropos for this game because we want to keep their offense off the field. Stafford looks amazing in that offense. We want to eat clock, possess the ball score points. That's the way we're going to win this game. And the and the first thing you have to be able to do is run the ball. That That's going to allow you to possess the ball. And it's also going to open things up and, and, and lead, you know, to other things you can do offensively. But it all starts with being able to get 28 the ball, get yardage, positive yardage, keep ahead of the sticks, not get in long distance, you know, third downs. Because against this team, that's, that, that's a recipe for turnovers and just not good things happening. So, for me, the biggest and the first key to this game is for the Colts to establish the run and get 28 the ball as much as possible. Now, David Montgomery had a great game last week. He ran for over 100 yards, but he was the first player to rush for over 100 yards against the Rams defense 
since November 25th, 2019. So they went all of last season without giving up 100 yards. They went December of 2019 without giving up 100 yards. So it's been a long time. Jacoby was playing good football the last time they gave up 100 yards. This has been that like last week was out of character for their defense. So we have to be able to establish it, but it was last week. So as far as the recency of their defense, they were vulnerable on the ground last week. And we have to establish that to have a chance this week like that Chiefs game back in 2019. If we don't run the ball that game, we don't win that game. So we need to be able to run the ball in this game. It's imperative if we want to have a chance. Key number two, score touchdowns in the red zone. First possession last week, we stole inside the 10-yard line. Can't happen. In goal in the red zone, when you drive the field, you can't settle for field goals. We need to be aggressive. And I was saying this last week, that fourth and one in the first quarter, when we're on the three-yard line, i much rather go for it there than late in the game where we're down two scores and the field goal makes it an eight-point game. So, touchdowns in the red zone touchdowns when you have first and goal first and goal from the five you have to score you have to put the ball in the end zone for six for seven in those situations which we weren't able to do last week key number two score touchdowns in the red zone and just touchdowns period yeah i mean it doesn't get any simpler than this and the colts have struggled we talked about it they did it in preseason and preseason doesn't matter but sometimes it's a harbinger, and we didn't score touchdowns in the preseason, and last week we just struggled, I mean, to do anything really after. I mean, with first drive, we didn't get a time. I mean, like you said, Luke, that's a great example. Like, not getting it in there is, is – it, it's a win. It was a win for Seattle and kind of set the tone for them. Yep. We, we have got – like, you're, you're not beating an offense like this kicking field goals. A couple years ago when we lost to the Jags 6 nothing. we could have beat them kicking field goals. We would have had about 18 points. But we kept going for it not getting it. This is a game where it's the exact opposite. If they don't get touchdowns, this game is not going to be close. So getting touchdowns in the red zone is imperative in this game because if you don't, you're not even going to be close because that offense is going to score points. Yeah, it's a great offense. They're going to put up points. You're going to have to match those points. And no two games, no two teams are the same. Like you were saying, when you play a team, like if we were to play in a couple weeks when we play – I don't know, the Jets, or when we play a team that doesn't have a great offense, or they have a young and experienced offense, and Flus is able to put pressure on that quarterback, and we're able to hold them, and it's a lower-scoring game, then you know, like the Jags a couple years ago, when we were super aggressive and field goals would have won the game because I think we lost 6 nothing. well, then you kick field goals in that game. But in a game like this where it's going to be a track meet, a field goal is not going to win this game. You're going to need to score, or I shouldn't say that. Field goals are not going to win this game. You're not going to win this game 12-9. You're going to need to score touchdowns to win this game. It's a big key. It's a simple key, but it's a big key in Week 2 against the Rams, just knowing your opponent. And key number three, this is important every week. We haven't had to talk much about this the last few years because the offensive line has been so dominant since 2018. Key number three, protect the quarterback, protect Carson Wentz. Last week, the offensive line was terrible. This week, even though we might have Fisher, the offensive line has another injury, multiple injuries, because Nelson's back is flaring up. I believe he'll play, but he does have a back issue. So if he's not 100%, even those snaps we talked about, it's not going to be the Aaron Donald versus Quentin Nelson show, but even those snaps, there will be some of them. If you're not 100% going up against Aaron Donald, I don't care how great you are. That's a tough matchup. And then 
Braden Smith on the right side at right tackle is not going to be out there. He has already been ruled out for this game against the LA Rams. So key number three, protect Carson Wentz. We did not do a good job of that last week. That's got to change. I felt bad for Wentz because he came to a team where he was thinking to himself, I'm going to be protected like I wasn't in Philadelphia. And he had the Eagles offensive line protecting him last week, week one as an Indianapolis Colt. Key number three, protect the quarterback, protect Carson Wentz. Yeah, we can't have a repeat of last week. He took a friggin' beating. I felt bad for him. I thought he actually played well. I was impressed with him. I thought he was really in tune for, for his first action. I thought he did a really good job, honestly. But he can't take that beating again. I mean, he was taking vicious hits last week. It reminded me of the, the luck days, and it was giving me flashbacks. And it, They were not good ones. So they have got to protect him by any means necessary. So, Frank, if you're listening, that means – using backs to chip, lining a tight end over with a tackle. You've got to do it. You can't act like every player is equal. They're not. And so we have got to protect him. And I think we can do, like, going back, just going back to our first key of the game, running the ball in a way is protecting Wentz. Because then if you're able to run the ball, they can't just pin their ears back. They're going to have to respect the run. So I think running the ball will help protect Wentz. But I also think Frank has got to get this stubbornness out of him and realize when you play against elite players, you have got to game plan for them, and you have got to protect your quarterback by putting an extra guy over there. Otherwise, I mean, one of these hits could knock him out for the season. And I mean, and I know, you know, that's that's every week that can happen at any time, but the more you get hit, the more likely that is to happen. So he has got, and I'm, I'm this is on him, Frank has got to trash the whole, like, you know, you know we're, we're going to, Every guy's created equal. We're not going to put people over there to help, blah, blah, blah. No, you've got to do it this week. If you don't, he's going to get hit, and he's going to take a beating. It happened last week. We're playing against a better defense this week. He's got to protect Wentz. That's on the coaching staff to prepare. That's also on us running the ball and being able to protect him. But if we don't protect him, we have, again, we have no shot in this game. So protect him. When we gave him time last week, Luke, he looked outstanding, I thought. So if we can protect him. We can actually, you know, we can actually get into some things and he can we people are saying, why don't we take deep shots? Well, because we were playing one on one with their defensive ends and we had no time. So we didn't we couldn't take any deep shots last week because there was no time. Now, if you able to run the ball, you protect with, you know, keeping an extra tight end in or, you know, chip with the back, then you've got more time to let those longer pass plays develop. But you've got to do those things to protect your quarterback. And I want to see Frank actually you know, do that this week. He hasn't done it. He didn't do it last year in Cleveland. He didn't do it last year in uh, in Pittsburgh. He didn't do it last week in Seattle or last week in Indy when we played Seattle. He's got to do it this week, or I'm telling you, it's going to be a long day. So protecting Wentz is, you know, it's it's threefold. It's the coaching staff has to do it. The line has to do it. And then obviously you've got to, you know, he, the quarterback's got to protect himself by not holding the ball too long. So he didn't hold the ball long last week. I think he's, you know, Frank, you know, sped that up and improved that with him. So hopefully the three things that I've mentioned will help and uh, we can get this thing going and you see the see the offense that we really want to see this week. Yep. And flip it over now to the Colts defense and our matchup with the Rams offense and highlighting the Rams offense. The big acquisition this offseason, we thought he might be a Colt. He was the guy, no disrespect to Carson Wentz, and this is not a shot at Wentz or a shot at the way Wentz played last week. I thought he was really good. I thought he was a bright spot. The guy I wanted this offseason before anybody was traded was Matt Stafford. That's the quarterback I wanted. 
not going to apologize for it. I thought it was a great trade that the Rams made. I thought it was a great fit in that McVay offense. So they make the move for Matt Stafford. They send Jared Goff to Detroit. And Matt Stafford last week looked good. And I thought it was funny when Chris Collinsworth was saying, believe it or not, this offense is just getting started with Matthew Stafford and Sean McVay. And I was thinking, yeah, no shit. It's their first game together. Of course, they're just getting started. And they're going to get better and better. So unfortunately for the Colts, we get them in week two. So we're probably going to get a better offense and a better Stafford and a better understanding of the concepts of the McVay offense from Stafford than the Bears got. But fortunately for the Colts, we're going to get a week two Stafford when I think by week six, seven, eight, 15, 16, 17 going into the playoffs, we're not going to see that caliber of Stafford and offense because I think this team's just going to continue to get better week in and week out because they have so much talent and they finally have the quarterback, or more importantly, the quarterback finally has the team because they didn't give him anything, or at least team-wise, they didn't give him enough to win. He had nice individual assets like Calvin Johnson, who's a first-bout Hall of Famer, but he didn't have the full team. He didn't have the coach. He didn't have the defense. He didn't have the line. He didn't have the run game in Detroit. So Matthew Stafford leading this L.A. Rams offense into week two. Yeah, I mean, I love Matt Stafford. I think he's uh, he's a special player. I, I feel bad. He, I mean, and I'm not trying to disrespect another organization, but the Lions are not the greatest organization to go to. And I think he's going to have a special season. And like you, Luke, I mean, I think we made it pretty much known at the time. We, we were huge on trying to get Stafford here. He's an elite arm talent. He's smart. He's tough. I love watching him play. They have really solid weapons, too. They got Cooper Cup at wide receiver, Van Jefferson, a young guy that had a big touchdown last week, Robert Woods, vet. That's really solid. Deshaun Jackson still got that speed and that uh, you know elite trait to get down the field. And then at running back, they got Henderson, and, and they traded for Sony, Sony Michelle. So they've got you know options all over the field. And, and then Tyler Higby at, at tight end had a big game last week. I think he had five catches. So they've got guys all over the field. And listen, I'm a McVay guy. I think he – I mean, I love watching his offenses, the way they're designed. He does a lot with jet sweeps and motion, and I think the Colts need to do more of that. Um, you know, I, I think a guy like Paris Campbell, if he had a coach like Sean McVay, would get the ball a ton. I think Frank has to do more to get the ball in our playmakers' hands like McVay does. I mean, that's what he does. He gets the ball to their playmakers. Now he's got a trigger man that can make all the throws. Like I said, he's an elite arm talent. He can throw boundary throws. He can get down the field. He can throw seam routes. He can do it all. And he can move around a little bit too. He's not he's not a super athletic guy in the sense that he's going to run, but he's at, he's he's athletic enough to move around and manipulate the pocket to be able to get throws off. He's he, he makes some of those Patrick Mahomes throws. He may I mean, he's older, so I guess Patrick Mahomes made some of those Matt Stafford throws. But uh, he's really fun to watch. Uh, I, I like watching the Rams. I kind of root for them when I'm not you know watching the Colts because they're just such a fun team, a young team. Uh, McVay is just an outstanding football mind, and I mean they're gonna, you know, they're gonna do a lot of things on offense that's gonna stress our defense. Flus, I'm sure, has been up late trying to game plan for these guys because McVay just does everything. I mean, you you just he's got so many weapons. He knows how to you know manipulate coverages to get what he wants. So it's gonna be a tough matchup, man. I'm I'm you know I'm excited to see our defense and how they bounce back after last week. More in the sense of fundamentally. Um, they didn't tackle well last week. I want to see better tackling this week, uh, more rallying to the football. Uh, I thought the corners were all right last week. 
but they're, they're going to have to continue to play well this week. The safeties absolutely have to play better. The linebackers absolutely have to play better. Uh, this is a tough matchup for everybody because McVay stresses every level. But I think the Colts just have to play their game, do what they do. Like, you know, we keep going back to the Chiefs game. I mean, when you play like that with all those injuries, you know that it's it's possible. You know, it's possible for the Colts to play well against this offense. It's not going to be easy, but they can do it. And they just got to be fundamentally sound across the board and make the plays when they're there. And when there's turnovers, you know, there's opportunity for t- turnovers, whether that's picks or then putting the ball on the ground. The Colts have got to make those plays in a game like this. So it's a tough matchup on both sides of the ball, Luke. It's going to be tough. But, you know, that's why they play the game. Yep, and like we were saying before, if you play the game on paper, there's no way we go out in 2019 and beat the Chiefs. So I don't want to talk too much about one game. But it is a good example of the game being played on paper versus the game being played on the field. So if you dot your I's and you cross your T's and you take care of these three keys, you'll have a shot to win. There's always a path to victory in the NFL because the talent is too balanced. It's not Alabama versus Kent State where there's no possible key to victory unless the Alabama plane doesn't take off. So let's get into our keys for the Colts defense. Key number one, minimize the big plays. You're not going to eliminate them. We talked about this last week. You're not going to eliminate them. You have to minimize them. Last week, we didn't minimize them. We were giving up big play after big play in the first half. We did a better job in the second half, but then the offense didn't help the defense in this game. You got to do a better job in the first half, keeping the game winnable in the first half. Don't give up three touchdowns on four possessions. And I assume that this game, there's going to be more possessions than last week. So the defense might be out there five, six times in the first half. You can't give up four or five touchdowns in the first half. There's a 0% chance we'll win if that's the case. Key number one, minimize the big plays and make them go the long way to beat you. Yeah, and listen, I, I just spoke about this. I think a lot of of the fundamental things defensively that we didn't do last week led to big plays, whether that's communication on the back end, whether that's missed tackles, not being in the right run fit, whatever. It, it, th- that stuff has to all be cleaned up. Those, I mean, y- y- they're going to make plays, but not giving up 70-yard touchdowns and stuff like that, it, that that's a big deal. They can limit those big plays by doing what what we said and we talked about earlier, by tackling better, by rallying to the ball, by communicating better, um, you know, and just being in the right spots. They they were just out of sorts last week in the first half. They were not in the right places, wrong run fits, bad communication, you know, guys not doing their jobs uh, or maybe trying to do other jobs, you know, and, and just getting out of sorts. They cannot do that this week. They just need to stick to the fundamentals. Based on what I've heard from the coaching staff, you know, through the pressers, they've really drilled fundamentals this week, and I think that was probably a smart move because last week we didn't tackle well. We didn't communicate well. We really didn't do anything well in that first half. We did bounce back in the second half, but you can't take a half off against a good team, and we did that last week, and it cost us. So we cannot do that this week. we got to be more consistent. Tackling's got to be better. And if we do all those things, they will they'll shut down or at least eliminate most of the big plays they're going to make plays all good offenses always do they're going to catch us in you know the different looks or whatever and have plays dialed up to beat those things but you just got to make the tackles when they're there you got to make the plays when they're there and you got to communicate 
with your teammates and just do your job. If the Colts do that, they should be in, be able to at least stay in the game and, and, and maybe minimize the damage as opposed to last week where it was just the first half was just a train wreck. Hopefully this week they can be a lot more consistent with their play and we see more of the second half Colts defense and we get that over the span of a full game. Key number two, pressure. Put pressure on Matt Stafford. He's a lot different than Wilson, although he's not completely immobile. He doesn't have the ability to run and get outside and keep his eyes downfield to the extent that Wilson did last week. And I think back to that first drive last week, Jason, there was a third and long and we got pressure on Wilson and he was able to run around a little bit back there. He was slippery. He might've avoided a sack and he extended it and it turned into a big play. If you get a sack that first drive or you make him throw the ball away or anything and you get off of the field, the entire complexion of the game is so much different. So just looking at that from last week to this week, if you have a Stafford in the pocket there, maybe you get him to just throw a ball up or maybe you're able to get him to the ground and it could really change the entire course of the game. And you might not think it. It's like, oh, well, it's only one play. It's only one possession. Well, yeah, that one play led to seven points. That one play led to a drive that led to a Seahawk offense that was confident going back out, and it led to three straight touchdown drives. So I think that those things do become contagious, and at least this week we'll have a little bit better of a matchup as far as being able to get the quarterback to the ground. But you got to get back there, and you have to put the pressure on him. So it all starts up front, and it's not just about sacks. It's about pressures, quarterback pressures, hits, knockdowns, getting back there, putting pressure on the quarterback. Key number two put pressure on Matt Stafford. Yeah, and this all starts up front. I mean, this is another game that that, that, that you know, the the line of scrimmage is going to be a big a, a big determinant of who wins the game. Buckner's got to play better. He was good last week, but he can play better. He had a, he had a, you know, a, a mess up in the run game that led to a 40-yard run. But as far as getting to the quarterback, yeah, they they've got to be able to to put some pressure on Stafford. He's the kind of quarterback that if if you give him time, he will destroy you. Like I said, he can make all the throws, so we're gonna get we're gonna have to get pressure from the middle, whether that's Buck or Grover, and then the guys coming in playing on the outside, Lewis, Banigu, if he gets in the game this week, hopefully he'll see some more snaps. Pay if he plays, Teray if he plays. I mean, a lot of these guys are questionable for the game, but whoever's out there, they got to make plays, and there's no excuses. They're on this they're on this roster for a reason. They got to get to the quarterback. So I think just pressuring him, and like you said, we've we've emphasized this on this show. It's not necessarily about sacks as much as it is about pressures, hits, because it it builds. You know, you, you when you have that pressure and you're hitting him, it's it's building, it's building, it's building, and he's going to start making bad decisions and rushing his decisions. So I think that's a huge key to this game. I also think you know just being being able to uh, you know control the line of scrimmage is is a big part of who wins football games. And I thought last week it was painfully obvious that we got dominated on both sides. Uh, this week's got to be for us to win. It's got to be different. It's we have to win at the point of attack, reestablish the line of scrimmage, stop the run. All things we didn't do last week, we have to do this week. If you can do those things, you'll be able to get pressure. You'll be able to take them out of what they want to do, and that will help it help then in turn help our team, you know, stay in the game and possibly win the game. So, yeah, definitely pressure, getting to the quarterback, always a big emphasis on that, but especially this week with the quarterback we're playing. 
And key number three, make the Rams kick field goals. Like we talked about before, we need to score touchdowns because field goals aren't going to beat the Rams. Well, hopefully if you hold them the field goals, their field goals won't beat us. So you want to keep them out of the end zone. You want to make them go the long route. You want to make them have 12, 15 play drives that end in three rather than two, three play drives that end in seven. So key number three, a very important key hold the Rams to field goals and obviously just getting off the field period on third down. Yep. No question. Last week we gave up four touchdowns and no field. I mean, they, they, they just got all touchdowns and we, we kicked field, we kicked a field goal, got stuffed, did a bunch of, you know, you know, we, we didn't convert a lot of different things, whether it was fourth down or whatever, you can't have that happen. They've got to be able to, uh, you know, slow the Rams down, make them kick field goals you know, like we did, you go back to the Kansas City game. It's a blueprint game. It's the same deal. You know, we kept them, I think they, we kept them out of the end zone until super late in the game. I don't expect us to play that well this week. I, I mean, who knows? It can happen, but I'm not expecting it. We have to try to, you know, keep them from getting in the end zone. The long, you know, the long distance plays for touchdowns have got to be just cut out. They can't, we can't give those up. We've got to make sure that, you know, like Luke mentioned earlier in the show, they go the long route, make them, you know, eat up time and then make them kick field goals. Like, like the, the, the Seahawks did to us on the first freaking drive of the game last week. I thought that was a huge momentum shift for the Seahawks, as crazy as it sounds, us going up three, nothing is instead of seven, nothing. Uh, I thought that was a huge momentum shift for them. And then they just, I mean, they took that momentum and just ran with it this week. We've got to get the momentum on our side. We're playing at home. We got the advantage in that way. We've got to use our fan base and in that 12th man and really get the momentum going on our side. And, and the longer we're in the game, the better chance we have. And I think, you know, just being able to keep them from scoring touchdowns and making them kick field goals is a surefire way to make sure that you're in the game and they just got to make sure they like I, I've mentioned this 50 times, but it's so important. And they didn't do it last week. They've got to tackle. They've got to make the plays when they're there and just do their job. Each individual guy. Don't try to do too much. Just do your job. Play, you know, play your assignment. Focus on your, you know, your keys. That is how they're going to stay in this game. That's how they're going to win this game. So, uh, you know, and if you do those things, you'll be able to minimize the amount of points you give up. Yep, and it's time for our For the Culture predictions, Jason. I'm not going to take very long. I guess I'll go first. You went first last week, and I think you're going to give a real prediction today and not a prediction. Well, last week was a real prediction too, but you're not going to give a Jason reverse jinx. Actually, you know what? Maybe you should take the Colts this week the more I think about it. I don't know, dude. <laughs> you because, can take them. I'm no, I'm not taking them because I, I don't think it matters what I pick. Only because really I'm thinking good? the entire football world is thinking that the Colts don't have a chance in this game. So maybe your reverse jinx would actually supersede your Colt fandom jinx, and it would work if you took the Colts in this game. But I, I'll go first, and I'll let you sleep on that. Right. I'm taking the Rams. The last I saw was a three-and-a-half-point spread. I would hammer that line for the Rams. I think the Rams are going to win this game probably by multiple scores, probably by double digits, especially if Fisher doesn't play. Because I just can't fathom this Colts offense scoring 20 points if neither tackle plays. Smith is already out. Fisher hasn't played since January. If he doesn't play and you have Davenport and you have Pryor out there and you have Quentin Nelson playing with a bad back and you have Aaron Donald on the other side, 
I don't see how we put up 20 points in a competitive, like if the game's like somewhat competitive, I don't see we score how we score 20 points. Then on the flip side, I think the Rams have a much better offense than the Seattle Seahawks. I think they win that division over the Seahawks. And I don't know if I could see us holding them under 30. Didn't the Seahawks just put up, what, 28? And I think they have a better offense, the Rams. I don't really see us going a half where the Rams only score seven points. So I think they're going to put up more than 30. I don't know if we get to 20. Maybe maybe 34-20, a final. I think the Rams win this game by double digits. And as long as the Seahawks do us a favor after beating us in our own house last week, if they could beat the Titans and we both go, assuming we lose this game like my prediction says we're going to lose this game, and we go into week three, we're 0-2, the Titans are 0-2. If we win that game and we're 1-2 and and they're 0-3, even if they're 1-2 and and you have that head-to-head over them, that is huge. You have that first head-to-head out of the way. They still have to come to Indianapolis. They'd be sitting either at 1-2 or potentially 0-3 on the year, which is a tough hole to climb out of. Statistically, and I know this... If we're one and two and they're zero and three, and forget about the Jaguars and Texans, that's not a division that you could really compare historically. But we'd be in a situation where the Colts and Titans probably neither team's looking at a wild card if that's how we start, even with the third wild card and that seventh playoff team added. Look at last year, eleven and five almost didn't get you in. Ten and six didn't get you in, with seven spots last year. So the Dolphins were watching from home. And if the Dolphins won that game against the Bills, the Colts at 11-5 and would have been watching from home. So these games are big, but these first two for us at least are West Coast. Same with the Titans. NFC West, NFC games. So they're not as important as last year when we lost seemingly every single tiebreaker except the Raiders, who ended up falling out of it completely anyway. So, regardless of what happens this week, the big game is going to be week three against the Titans. Unfortunately, I just don't see us winning this game. And I'm going with the Rams. Final score, I'm going to say 34-20. All right. So, I had time to think about it. First of all, I just want to say this. The combined score of our last two meetings is Rams 84, Colts 17 doesn't mean anything i just wanted to say that i was thinking back in my head luke to my prediction for the chiefs game and i'm going to give the same prediction for this game i don't think the colts have a chance in hell winning this game i don't think they can win i think there's zero percent chance that they win this is literally what i said for the chiefs game so i'm, I'm just i'm going with what works i don't think this is going to be close i think they're going to get smoked i'm going to say 37 to 17 i think it's a horrible matchup in every way possible then you add in the fact we're injured and they're not yeah i I don't see the colts even being close in this game i mean that's as simple as i can make it yeah it's pretty simple i agree because this is one of those games where i would lean like last week i leaned seahawks i think i picked seahawks by three or four points and i'd probably be in a similar ballpark like the vegas line right now is probably the line i think i would lay if both teams were relatively healthy. But because the Colts aren't healthy at all, and the Rams are fully healthy, not making an excuse, just giving a pregame fact, 
as to why I see this game going the way I think it's going to go. I don't think we beat them at full strength. I think we fall probably a field goal short. I think they have the much better coach in this matchup. And then when you add in all the injuries, which will play factors, sometimes people act like it's the logo versus the other logo. It's like, no, your logo is what it is because of the best players on your team. If you take the Colts and you remove Buckner, Nelson, Leonard, and you go throw them out there on the field, they're not the same team. It's the same logo. It's the same uniform. It's the same city they're representing, but it's not the same team. Same thing with the Rams. If we saw that me, versus Tennessee last year, Luke. Exactly, yeah. Like, if you told me right now the Rams aren't going to have Stafford, Donald, Ramsey, Cooper Cup, I would say, okay, you know what? I'm going to pick the Colts to win this game 21-17 or 21-13. But that's not the reality of the situation. So these aren't excuses. These are facts as to why I am picking the Rams by multiple scores. Yeah, I agree with you, man. And listen, if I'm being honest, I I don't think the Colts are going to win this game. But I'm also saying this. uh, Some of my some of my what I'm saying is in jest because I literally said the same thing about the Chiefs in that game in 2019. And the Colts came out and played exceptional. So I'm hoping the same thing happens here. But I just don't feel great about it. I I just feel like we're lacking in almost every area. Uh, I think they're better than us pretty much everywhere and I just don't it's just not a good matchup for us and we just historically we haven't even I mean we don't play well against them no. and that doesn't even really remember the year when the Rams stunk and the Seahawks yeah, they won the Super yeah. Bowl and the 49ers I think were coming off a Super Bowl appearance we beat the yeah. 49ers in Trent Richardson's debut we beat the Seattle Seahawks and we got demolished by a bad Cardinal team and we got demolished by a bad Rams team. Then fast forward four years when the Rams were coming off a year, they were awful. I think the final year of Fisher, they were terrible. Yeah. McVay's first game. It was McVay's first game. It was Goff's second year in the league and they tore us a new asshole. That was the first game of Ballard. The last first game for Pagano. I thought he was in San Francisco. <laughs> what happened? Remember after the game we got our ass oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. the Yeah, your, 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 your headphones or your uh, mic is starting to break up a little bit. But, yeah, that was the game where Pagano thought we played against the San Francisco 49ers. But I think the podcast gods are telling us to wrap things up as the audio is starting to get disconnected. So enjoy the game on Sunday. Back-to-back home games if you're going to the game. God bless you. I hope it's not what I think it's going to be. I hope it's an enjoyable game. I hope it's a competitive game. Hope you have fun. Hope you stay safe. And we will be back on Sunday night to wrap things up. That's my man, Jason Spears. I'm your host, Luke Diamond. And this is the For the Culture Podcast.